You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so we are uh, continuing in our uh, uh, journey through the Torah, um, asking what's the point of, uh, of the commandments. Um, and uh, we've been uh, dwelling for a little while in uh, Parashat Mishpatim, which was the uh, Torah portion a couple of weeks back, um, because it's one of the major law codes in the in, in the Torah, there are a handful. There are a couple of, of major law codes in Torah. Mishpatim is one. Um, uh, Kedoshim, uh, uh, the Holiness Code of Leviticus, is another, and uh, a couple in, in Deuteronomy. Um, and so, so most of the Torah's mitzvot are, are concentrated in in those in, in those uh, parshas. Um, and, uh, um, and and so. Th- there, there are a, f- a number of, of mitzvot in, in Mishpatim that are, that are worth our exploration. Um, so, normally we've been focusing on mitzvot that um, are, uh, the sweet spot for us are mitzvot that, uh, that, that don't really have an obvious rationale um, and that are still operable. Right, um, because that's an interesting thing to discuss. You know, uh, things that we are already doing or supposed to be doing, um, but that uh, we don't really have good reasons for. Um, periodically, there are things that don't fit into either of those categories that are still worth discussing. So there are things that uh, that, that may not be operable anymore, but that have uh, that are somewhat uh, uh, seemingly irrational uh, that uh, that are worth discussing. So like the the red heifer, for example. And then there are some things in the other category, which is things that are uh, that are rational, uh, seem to have a rational basis, uh, and and are still operable. Um, uh, for the most part, things that have a rational basis are still operable, right? So, thou shalt not murder is still operable, presumably. Uh, 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 that uh, that that nevertheless, right, are are not quite as obvious, um, uh, and maybe 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 a little bit more. Uh, um, radical in their in, in in the Torah laying them out um, than some of the more uh, uh, rationally based commandments. So um, we didn't talk about thou shalt not murder, but what I wanted to talk about today was one that, that I think has a very clear rational basis, is still operable today, um, uh, but but nevertheless I think is uh, worthy of our consideration in this in in this forum, um, if not for any other reason than to reinforce its centrality to the project of being Jewish. All right, so that is uh, uh, the following command. It's actually. I brought just one commandment, uh, the Sefer Echinuch and, and other um, counters of commandments, uh, break them into two. Uh, so it starts in, in uh, Numbers, excuse me, Exodus chapter 22, verse 20. V'ger lo toneh v'lo ki gerim ha'yitem be'eretz mitzrayim. So you shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And it continues, Kol almana v'yatom lo ta'anun. Do not ill-treat, oppress any widow or orphan. Im ane ta'ane oto, ki im sa'ok yitz'ak elai, shamoa eshma ta'akato. If 
you oppress them, or if you oppress him, uh, and if uh, uh, then uh, if you oppress him, then he will surely cry out to me, to God, and I will certainly hear his cries. V'chara api v'haragti etchem becharev v'hayu nishechem almanot uvenechem yetomim. And so my anger will blaze forth, and I will uh, kill you with the sword, and your wives will be widows, and your children will be orphans. So, uh, two commandments that are related to each other, but are separated for some um, uh, practical purposes in the counting of commandments. One is, uh, do not wrong or oppress a a gare, a a stranger, which... um, uh, Contextually in the Torah means um, a, a, a resident alien, right? So somebody who is um, a, an immigrant to uh, the land of Israel, not a Jew, um, and has taken up residency uh, in the land of Israel, has not um, has, has not converted, right? So uh, is not a citizen of, uh, of of the land of Israel, just is a resident alien, a resident immigrant. We would call them an illegal. Maybe in our in our time, um, or, uh, or 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 just a uh, non-citizen uh, immigrant. Okay, um, the the uh, the legal tradition goes a little bit further than that with it to say that the the commandment there also applies to uh, converts, right? So people who were aliens um, were immigrants, but then be, became citizens, became Jews. Um, but both fit into relatively the same category because um, both are essentially um, uh, defenseless and powerless within the broader Jewish context. Right? A, a resident alien um, has no family, presumably, uh, or extended family within the Jewish nation, within, um, within the land of Israel. Similarly, with even someone who converts. Even though they've converted into you know the the broader Jewish family, they have no blood relations and no blood relatives, which means that there's nobody um, close by to fight their battles for them or to join with them in fight, fighting their battles. Um, so it's a special degree of protection to people who don't enjoy the same uh, um, uh, who 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 have an, uh, an who have a, a built-in inequality. Uh, within society to, uh, to to Jews, and the reason given for that is, <clears throat> and there's a, you know, it's interesting thinking about the rationale for commandments, and sometimes there's rationales given for the commandments. In this case, the rationale is because you were strangers in the land of Egypt, right? So you know what the experience of being a powerless immigrant is like, and so therefore you should, uh, it's it's not a slam dunk, it's not obvious. You might think that the Torah would say, you know what it was like to be without power, and so now that you have power, use it. Right, but it doesn't say that. It says now that you are going to be powerful and and have control over your own destiny, when you have other people in your society who are in the same situation that you were in before, remember how you were treated before and don't treat them that way. Because you know what it feels like to be the outsider. You know what it feels like to be defenseless and weak and powerless. Um, So uh, so don't oppress. Uh, 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 or wrong a stranger. Now, the, that kind of a, what it means by oppression um, is um, uh, open, probably to interpretation. Um, but the 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 halachic tradition actually uh, applies that pretty broadly. Um, 
everything from don't remind a convert of the fact that they used to not be Jewish, right, um, to, uh, to to more classical forms of oppression, right? Don't uh, um, don't trick. Uh, a, an immigrant into a bad business deal, right? Don't uh, um, don't call them names. Don't uh, don't don't physically abuse them, knowing that there's not really anything they can do about it, right? Because you have the power and they don't, right? Um, right. So you could, that happens in, in still in America today uh, with uh, with illegal immigrants, right? Illegal immigrants come uh, and uh, and and uh, take jobs uh, in places that are willing to hire them, uh, and sometimes. Uh, those employers very severely mistreat those workers um, because there's not really any recourse those workers have. They can't go to the authorities to um, to claim abuse because then they'll get alerted for immigration or they're worried about that. So um, so there's a high uh, degree of risk for um, for for um, exploitation of people in that uh, in that circumstance. And I think that that was one of the issues in. Um, uh, uh, um, in uh, in Potts Pottstown, Iowa, with the um, agriprocessors um, kosher uh, meat plant, um, uh, where they, they uh, had a lot of um, uh, um, uh, illegal immigrants working for them, um, and uh, and a lot of uh, claims of abuse by those uh, by, by those workers, um, uh, unfortunately for the Jewish world. Um, so that's one piece of it. The second piece of it, which is related, is uh, widows and orphans, right? And they are identified as a separate category because they're slightly different than the uh, than the stranger. The stranger here is referring uh, contextually to a to a uh, to an adult male. So uh, so they have a even though they, they they're powerless in some ways, they um, they have built in power in uh, in in the, in the ancient world because. Being an adult male in the ancient world uh, was uh, beneficial um, in a lot of ways. Already gave you a social standing that, uh, that that you may not have had if you were a woman or a minor. But speaking of women and minors, if you're a woman who, uh, who whose husband has died, so you're a single adult woman um, or an orphan, right? You have no parents. Um, then you are uh, at special risk for uh, for oppression and exploitation in uh, in a society. There's no one to protect you, and so the Torah identifies them as a as a related but slightly separate category of people that we are not allowed to uh, mistreat in any way. And if you look at um, uh, if you look at the Sefer uh, Chinuch um, uh, here, it uh, um, in the second paragraph. Uh, it it, uh, it it out it it says what this means what it means to not uh, uh, to not mistreat um, a widow or an orphan uh, so so it, it reiterates some of what we've been saying so it's related to the uh, same uh, uh, principles that go into the laws against oppressing a stranger or an alien. Uh, I don't like the term alien because it makes me think of like Roswell, uh, immigrant, an immigrant. Um, right, because they have no one to uh, to champion them uh, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, uh, in in the way that a husband uh, would have done for the widow and the father would have done for the orphans if they were living. 
Ken, um, uh, he's here, he's here at Excuse me. The Alken, he's hiratanu toratenu hashlema liknot midat chesed verachamim benafshenu venie yisharim bechom asenu ki ilu yesh kenegdo toen bechoach hataana behefchenu. Okay, so therefore, um, our 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 perfect Torah warns us. Um, to uh, to uh, to acquire the the virtue of compassion and mercy with our with with our spirits and with our souls um, that we should be upright in all of our dealings um, uh, um, um, as though someone was oppressing us um, uh, arguing with force every possible argument against us right so we should do what we can to um, uh, 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 t- to feel like when a, when an orphan or widow uh, and, and I think also a uh, an immigrant is oppressed that the oppression is happening to us personally or that it's happening to our own child or our own spouse. Right. Um, I was thinking about that yesterday because I don't know you know someone cut me off in the street or something like that, whatever. I suffered some kind of minor injustice and I got very angry about it. And, uh, and, and then I got to thinking, you know, I wish that when an injustice happened to somebody else, I had the same kind of visceral emotional response. And I think that that's actually what the Torah is trying to uh, urge us toward here, is that naturally we don't have the same kind of uh, visceral emotional response when an injustice is perpetrated against somebody else. And the Torah is trying to train us to, um, uh, to, to, to actually feel that way. I, I thought about it, I, I posted it on Facebook, I thought about it in, in, in reference to... Um, the commandments in, in Leviticus, the famous one, Vahavta Larecha Kamocha, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, feel about another person the way you would feel about yourself. Uh, but it's also, I think, relevant here too that we as individuals and as a collective have an obligation to take on widows and orphans as if they're members of our own family and so therefore to um, feel similarly when injustices are perpetrated against them uh, that we would about injustices perpetrated against our own family and of course then to not perpetrate those injustices ourselves. Right, so uh, let let us uh, take pity on them in compassion and see their right in everything. Right, so let's presume that they are right um, and and not wrong, which is actually a, a powerful statement because um, in the human imagination we often go to a place um, that when there is somebody weak and powerless in society, somebody who's fallen on hard times, somebody who is at the margins. Um, often we concoct stories um, to uh, to presume why they deserve that fate, right? So I, people do it all the time with with the homeless, right? Um, you know, don't give that person uh, 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 money because um, they uh, you know they're they're just going to spend it on booze. We do it on a on a slightly larger level when we talk about um, our collective obligations to uh, to the. Uh, to, to the poor in, in our community. Um, we say, well, you know, it's, it's their fault because they're lazy and they're not working. That's certainly, I, I'm sure, true for some people who are poor. My guess is that uh, most people uh, um, 
are not like that. Most people, if they had the opportunity to uh, to, to have the um, the dignity and security that came with work, they would. Uh, uh, take advantage of it. Um, so, but but that's but uh, he's hitting on something I think really powerful there. That um, there's something that we do psychologically um, uh, um, to, uh, to to justify for ourselves why it's uh, it's reasonable for there to be such inequality and injustice in our society, and we and we. Uh, um, Concoct explanations about other people that that uh, that that assuage our uh, our responsibility and help like restore our internal sense of the moral order. Is, is it just though assuaging, or is there a sound sociological basis that you're better to give to the charity that's out there working on the streets trying to get people to come in and be warm and get them a hot meal than to give them the cash directly so uh. that. Yeah, yeah. No, so I hear, I hear that, and and uh, if that's what you do, right, <laughs> um, right. So there, there are plenty of people who don't do either, right. And and I'm I'm more speaking to to those. If, if I if if I say, listen, I know you know that uh, that I'm going to give ten percent of my income this year to tzedakah, and I know I'm, that that's that's let's say you know that that's five thousand dollars. I'm going to give five thousand dollars to tzedakah, and I know exactly the charities I'm going to give to. One of those charities is uh, say Project Home that works to get homeless people off the street and train them, whatever, right? Then I can say, you know, when the person asks me for a dollar on the street, I can say to myself, you know, like, I've actually tried to do something to alleviate their circumstance. I can be, I can still be nice to them, I can still be kind to them, um, and not ignore them. I think that that's part of what's going on here, is to not treat them like they don't exist. Um, I don't ha- I don't necessarily have an obligation anymore to give them individually the, the, the dollar, five dollars, whatever it is. Um, because I've already done that, but um, but but I think what this does say is that um, is is that I, I can't ignore them. I can't brush them off. I can't be mean to them, right? So so that's a piece of it too. But uh, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, the the challenge that I have is that uh, people sometimes. Out. What's that? That's a cop out. Most people don't want to come in, or they have mental issues, and they know enough that the dollar they can go buy some food with. So I don't. Yeah, or booze, or, or well, they may, but they, but at least it will give them some sustenance along with the booze. They'll get a sandwich. They know they have to eat. So, I just, I want to, I want to, um, I, I want to just catch what's going on here because um, we're using very broad generalizations right. to talk. Right. So, um, uh, it is true that there are. Uh, some, maybe many uh, people who are uh, homeless who uh, struggle with um, addiction and mental illness, but not everybody. Um, and so uh, just because you give a dollar to somebody doesn't mean that that's what they're going to spend it on. Um, uh, and uh, but, but I think that, that that goes to exactly what this is uh, uh, talking about. This, what it's saying is um, presume righteousness. In, um, in in a person in that situation, until you have a real reason to believe that there's not, right? Um, uh, so uh, so that's how, how I'm understanding what he's saying. Uh, see their right in everything, even more than we would if their uh, husband or father were alive, right? So if they were living in a house uh, and uh, and had food on the table, we wouldn't necessarily have to presume their rightness. Um, but uh, but but we we should give people in a uh, downtrodden situation, the benefit of the doubt is a, is, is a piece of this. But what I also love about it in, in just the minute we have left, um, so the, the language of the commandment is very, very strong, 
right? Um, first, the, the, the stranger don't oppress because you were strangers to the land of Egypt. But then, uh, uh, what will happen if you don't, uh, what will happen if you oppress the widow and the orphan? Um, that, uh, that, that God will, God's anger will blaze forth and make your, your wives widows and your children orphans, right? So there's a, uh, part of that is the, um, what's called the Mida Kineged Mida, the, the measure for a measure, uh, justice of this section of, of Exodus, right? That, so that's an eye for an eye. Um, so that's part of it. But uh, my teacher, Rabbi Arya Cohen, and some of you have heard me talk about this before, has, I think, a really powerful and beautiful um, explanation of what Exodus is trying to do here, which is to crystallize um, uh, in law the uh, the the story of uh, of the exodus from Egypt. So there's a lot of parallels in language between what is um, uh, if you oppress them and and don't listen to their cries, I'm going to hear their cries and I'm going to redeem them and punish you, right? It's almost entirely parallel to what happens with the uh, with the Israelites in Egypt. Pharaoh refuses to hear their cries. Pharaoh oppresses them with hard labor. And God hears their cries. And God meets out punishment on the Egyptians and redeems the enslaved. And what Arya Cohen says is that uh, what, what, what this is saying essentially is um, you have a choice as a Jew to be part of the problem or part of the solution. God is ultimately going to hear the cries of those who are disenfranchised and oppressed and is going to redeem them. And so you can either be on God's side or you can be on Pharaoh's side. And that's the choice you have. If you're on Pharaoh's side, that's your choice. But ultimately, if it's not immediately, eventually you'll go the way of the, of the Egyptians. That's what happens to people who, who oppress um, uh, 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 strangers and, and widows and orphans. Um, but if you if you do God's work, which is listen to the cries of those who are oppressed and work to uh, alleviate their suffering, um, uh, uh, then you'll build a godly society and you'll be on on the side of God. I, I love that because it it really I think contextualizes this passage and, and works in those parallels and gives a, a very stark sense. You know, I think about that all the time. Uh, that formulation, right? When I'm when 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 I'm encountering that person on the street, I ask myself, okay, in this situation, am I being like God or am I being like Pharaoh? And what would my action, what what actions would be required me required of me if I were in either of those categories? And it's in some ways much easier than thinking like, what does the law specifically require of me? It is more like, which side of history do I want to be on? Which side of the moral equation do I want to be on? Um, and, and that is something that I think that this commandment and these commandments are trying to cultivate in us, is, is uh, to say not only um, how, do we, how do we protect those who are disenfranchised, how do we protect those who are marginalized, how do we identify with their cause, but also um, how do we see our, uh, our, our obligations in the world vis-a-vis um, uh, -vis those two categories, right? Do we want to be... Um, like the God of the Exodus or do we want to be like the Pharaoh of the Exodus story?